Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. I'm Madison. And today we are going to be talking about toxic relationships. Yikes. Yeah. Here we go. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. All right, so what is one thing that, uh, one recent thing or experience that has exceeded your expectations? Oh, I have one. So we just finished up 21 days of prayer here at our church. Mm. Did I take yours? I'm sorry. It's okay, continue. I'm sorry. No, um, go, go, go. It's great. Okay. <laughs> uh, I had pretty low, exp- it's exactly what it sounds like. We got together at 7 a.m. or 9 a.m. on Saturdays for 21 days straight to pray together. And I'm not a morning person, so my expectations were super low. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember at some point I told my wife, Abby, I was like, yeah, like I'll probably be there all 21 days, but we'll see. And she was like, no, nah, like we're going, basically. So um, it was it was really awesome. And like, yeah, it was tough, like building the habit a little bit. But once you got going, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And just that dedicated time and space to connect with God first thing starting the day, it was really awesome. So that exceeded my expectations a lot. Cool. Yeah, we like we finished um, the day that we're filming this. We finished um, like two days ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then yesterday we we had Sunday morning, so we still had like you know church community gathering, even though it's a new series. So this morning was like the first morning without it, and I was kind of like, oh, I do, I don't get to see all my friends and like <laughs> pray with them. Like it was really great. So I'm gonna miss it. Um, I'm still thinking of mine that's not a repeat of his. So you go first if you have one. So recently went to this new place. We really should be getting like some sort of thing whenever we plug a local spot. Yeah, but like Yeah, but but Maxie's went there for for lunch and got like this scored grilled hot dog. Like it was a hot dog. Like so you kind of. You're thinking like, well, how awesome can a hot dog be? This hot dog was awesome. awesome. Yeah, like it it was grilled up all fancy on a poppy seed bun situation, super Mm. delicious. Exceeded, set the standard for what a hot dog Mm. can be. Okay, super awesome. High praise. High praise for for a hot dog. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a movie. So I'm not a huge, huge movie person. I think I've mentioned that before. Um, I just it's hard for me to like work up the. Um, like the energy to like sit down for a whole movie because I know I'm gonna have to work to pay attention. Um, but like, se- I've heard several times now that the second um, Puss in Boots movie was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it from Elijah, who is a pastor on staff here. I've heard it from Tanner, who's a pastor on staff here. I've heard it from Alice, who's a pastor on staff here. I've heard it from his wife, who is not on staff here, but she's basically a pastor. I've just heard it from everybody who's just like talking about how good it is. And it was really good. Like, genuinely, the, I think I appreciated the animation style more mm. than I do in most. I like I love cartoons, but I don't stop and really appreciate the, like the way that they put action movements in. Um, it had like a lot of like anime influence and also like graphic novel, like comic book influence. So it's a great movie. I think it's I think it's like Puss in Boots to The Last Wish. I mm. think. Yeah. You the part check it out. where bro, the part where the wolf walks through the fire. 
that part is so sick. I was uh, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. All and right. I, I really do, I think that they they really made like the, the idea of anxiety like accessible for mm. people who don't deal with it to understand, but also people who do deal with it to feel like seen and understood by something, you know, I don't know. It was was that like a theme of the movie? Yeah, it's a pretty, mm. pretty heavy theme of like, um, I don't think it's a spoiler, but like, basically, it because he's a cat, he's used up eight of his lives, and he only has one uh. life left, and so he becomes very anxious because he doesn't want to lose his life, and he like, but he also is like running away from like this death character that mm. um, is a little spooky, but I don't think it's too intense for how they rated it. It's it's a good it's a good movie. Yeah, recommend it. Nice. All right, so what is something you used to believe about relationships but you no longer do? So, like I've mentioned before, like I was heavily influenced on my worldview by TGIF Friday nights on ABC with Family Matters and Step by Step and all of those things. (laughs) So, yes, like, so, like, all of those things, not everything's resolved in 25 minutes with a lighthearted chuckle and awe. Like, so, like, some things can go on for a while. So that was probably one of the things that I used to believe that definitely got shattered as I matured. I think the one that I would say is, I think it's, like, it's a common thing um, that I've heard a lot of teenagers reference and, like, young adults reference the phrase, if he wanted to, he would. Have either of you heard that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, as a way to basically say, like, if your significant other wanted to do X, Y, Z for you, he would have done it already as like a way to say like, uh, you might not be getting the treatment that you deserve. I think that at one point I would have a hundred percent believe that, but I have like an addition to add to it now of like, if you wanted to and you communicated with him that you wanted <laughs> yes. to, mm. There's a big fat comma. There's a big fat comma in there. Yeah, you can't you can't just expect people to guess what your needs are or pick up on subtle hints that you're dropping. You should just say, "Hey, this is what I need. Can you serve me in this way?" And for the most part, they will. And if they don't want to, you'll have your answer. Yes. Easy. Yeah. It's good. It's a good viewpoint. That is I like a good that. One. Yeah. <laughs> Something that we we often say around here, or that our our senior pastor Brian Hughes says a lot, is love is not a feeling; it's an mm-hmm. action. Yeah. I think that's something. I think I used to believe the first part of that, mm-hmm. and uh, just how like my marriage and stuff has played out, seeing that it's an action and really having that sink in and kind of try to the best of my ability to live out what that means. That that is. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference, and we'll just leave it at that. My parents, I could be imagining this, but I feel like I'm not. Growing up, I feel feel like my parents would oftentimes reference, um, they were very open about, you know, loving each other and just being, uh, like, they're just happily married. But when things would kind of hit the fan and, like, the, the home would be tense, they would kind of, like, announce, like, I don't want to do the dishes right now but I'm going to do them because I know that that's what serves you well and like whatever whatever so I think I got to see that like played out in like a humorous way of like I'm going to make the choice to do the action of loving even if I'm not feeling it right now so and it was also entertaining if it was always stuff stuff you wanted to do it'd be easy 
So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I'm going to do the dishes now. <laughs> that would be or they would just like race each other to do the thing that neither of them yeah. wanted to do. Like, no, my... I'll do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. All right. So the last one here. What was the biggest lesson from your worst breakup? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Belief in the first time when they dump you. <laughs> Don't go back for round two. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Believe them the first time. Yeah, they did it for a reason originally. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, it was a whirlwind of a year, let me tell you what. <laughs> uh, um, I think, okay, I think probably that the world will still keep spinning. Oh mm. yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Like you you will be okay. Like it's mm. the world's not going to stop. You're going to get up the next day. Yeah. Like it's really that was it cuz I think a lot of times especially if you're in a long-term one like I'm you know like I was before I got divorced. You just kind of like you can't imagine life any differently yeah. than what it is. So like if a breakup happens, you think, man, just everything's going to stop. But it doesn't. Like the day keeps coming, the night keeps coming. You've just got to keep moving forward. So That's a good the one. world's not going to end. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll preface mine by saying I, I think it's personal to me, but it's not a breakup is not 100 percent their fault. And 0% mine. You yeah, know, there's always nuance to it. And there's always somewhere where you could have done better. Uh, and, you know, there are there are obviously extreme situations where that it doesn't that doesn't fit yeah. all of them. But like for the worst breakup I, I ever went through, I carried for so long, like, man, they just wronged me. Yeah. She just wronged me. And like, it's all her fault. And, yeah, and if, you know, now with some time and some growth and some perspective, I can look back and say, you know, that's not true. There were things I could have done better. Yeah. Um, it doesn't flip flop. It doesn't mean it's now hundred percent my fault and zero percent theirs, but yeah. there's, there's enough to go around for mm-hmm. both is what they don't have to. Uh, there is some point where they under, under certain circumstances no longer have to be your enemy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can have understanding for the, the choices that they made, Yeah. which is, had no idea that was coming. Like after my first breakup, mm-hmm. I thought I would just hate him for forever. So it's good. Yes. It's a good relief. It's freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do in this episode, we're going to look at just some kind of weird relationship examples in the Bible and yeah. then we'll, and then we'll segue. But so at the top of this, <laughs> <There's> um, so <laughs> many, <laughs> because there, I mean, there are some just weird relational things that, that go on yeah. in, in the Bible. So we're just going to each kind of tackle one, one at a time, give a brief overview and kind of what it looks like and just see what it looks like at face value. So Ellis, kick yeah. us off. All right. Well, first we have Sarah and Abraham. Uh, Abraham is one of the key figures in the Bible. He's known as the father of many nations. Sarah is his wife. Abraham and Sarah are getting pretty old, and they're not able to conceive. So Pretty old. Pretty old. <laughs> pretty old. <laughs> but evidently still a fox. Because yes. everywhere she went, even when she was 70, 80, 90, 100 plus years old. Good for her. There were still folks that Abraham was fearing was going to swoop in on his chick. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> She's my sister. It's all good, bruh. Chill out. Hey, Half guys. sister. Guys, real quick. <laughs> if you're a man and you're listening to this. 
Don't ever call your significant <laughs> other your sister. <laughs> I mean, weird. he wasn't. It, it was a half sister. It wasn't a total lie. Mm. <laughs> Still weird. It is weird. <laughs> yes. So despite their best efforts, they're not able to conceive a child. So instead of trusting God, they take matters into their own hands, mm. which never ends well. Nope. Um, so Sarah tells Abraham, hey, I have the servant, Hagar. I'm not able to bury you a child, so you could, so you should go with her, and she can bury you a child. So Abraham does it. He, you know, he's like, okay, cool. And go, I don't know if he does that, but he goes and does it. <laughs> he didn't put up much resistance. He did not. <laughs> and uh, understandably, Sarah gets mad. I mean, you know. Yep. Yeah. Did, ex- did exactly what she told him to. Yes. And then got mad after. Have either of you ever done that in a relationship where you've been like, you've said the opposite of what you actually want the person to do. And then you're like, oh, ouch. I guess I did set them up for that. Yes. <laughs> I've successfully blocked it out, but I'm sure I have. Yes. Yeah. My, I don't do it anymore. But when I was a teenager, it was always the good night text. that was like the angry good night text. And then when they would actually reply good night, I'd be like, Oh, my gosh. Anyways, I interrupted you. Please continue. So the child that is conceived out of that relationship is named Ishmael, and he is described as a wild donkey of a man, amongst other things. So that line of Hmm. questionable choices leads to a questionable result. Yeah. It's kind of the moral of the story. So, Mm. Yikes. A wild donkey of a man. Oh. (laughs) I wonder what Hagar thought of that. Like... That sounds like a, a toxic dynamic between Sarah and Abraham, but also Well, I mean, also she felt, like, very hurt Sarah and spurned. And and like, there was a beef there. And yeah. then eventually, like, Sarah had them sent away. Yeah. And Abraham's just like, do whatever you want. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Which kind of, like, that's how I imagine him talking. Go out there and, and have relations with Hagar and do the things. And then he's like, okay. Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. Here I go. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next is... Uh, Rebecca and Isaac, and that's Abraham's son. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> we're going down the line. <laughs> we're just going to go right down the line here. So, very like they both had like uh, Isaac favored Esau, who was a, a hairy, wild game hunter type fellow, and Rebecca favored Jacob. They were twins, um, who was a smooth skin, very like kind of presented as a mama's boy. And so then it came time for Get he just wrecked. he just is. <laughs> That's kind of how he's presented. Um, And so, like, now it came time to decide, like, who was going to be the spiritual head of the family Mm -hmm. after Jacob or after Isaac's passing. Um, He's getting up there in years. He's kind of blind, didn't see too well, and he knows his time is coming to an end. So now it's time to decide who the spiritual successor, like, to Abraham is going to be next in line. And they had kind of differing opinions, uh, Isaac and Rebecca did. So... Uh, Isaac sends Esau out, says, hey, go kill some of that kind game that I like and make a fancy stew and bring it to me, and I'm going to give you a blessing. Rebecca overhears this and then conspires with Jacob and says, no, go out there, bring a flock in from, from the pen, and we'll slaughter it, we'll make a stew out of it, and then you go in there and present it, pretend that you're Esau. And he's like, well, I'm not a hairy man. Esau's hairy. I'm a smooth guy, so he's not going to know. And so she like goes and puts a, a hide over him. <laughs> Like if you was imagine, but like if you imagine this as like a play, it would be the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> but it works. Um, 
he's like he's kind of he's blind. blind yeah. And so he's like, well, it sounds like Jacob, but you smell and feel like Esau. <laughs> he's yeah. like a man of the field, like you smell kind of dirty, and so you must be Esau. And so he takes the he takes the stew and he eats it, and then he gives the blessing hmm. to Jacob. So clearly. Oh. You know, they seem to have different point of views on who the spiritual successor would be. Would be, They didn't really talk about it. Like, they just went straight to shenanigans and trying to bamboozle yeah. Isaac. Yes. Which, they could have maybe talked about it and said, like, no, nah, like, listen, Esau's kind of a wild man, like a wild donkey of a man or, or whatever. <laughs> um, maybe we should take a, a second look at this. But, mm. no, they went straight to trickery. So yep. maybe some open and honest communication there, because be that beneficial. just set up that set up a whole slew of things that resulted in an entire nation being formed that was going to come to war with Moses whenever the Israelites came back. I mean, a whole lot of bad yeah. came from this. Yeah. So maybe you should talk about it and be open and honest. That's a good idea. Probably yeah. a good good rule of thumb most of the time. You know, yeah, just applies talk in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, continuing down that line, um, Jacob has, um, an interesting, (laughs) um, start to (laughs) his marriage. So he falls in love with a woman that is named Rachel and she goes to her, he goes to her father and asks for her hand in marriage and her father, um, Laban replies that he can marry his daughter, but you have to work for seven years. Um, which is a lot of time to, like, work to earn, basically, like, earn a marriage. He was not, it wasn't, I'm going to get married and then I'm indebted to you for seven years. It was, I have to, ma- I have to work for seven years and then I get to marry you. So he was putting in time. Um, and then he gets to his his wedding day. It's a beautiful moment. I don't think that there's, like, a piano playing because those aren't invented yet. So maybe, like, I don't know, a little harp. She's walking down the aisle. (laughs) There's a little heart playing. They say their vows, whatever. He, like, uncovers her head. He's like a record scratch. It's not Rachel. (laughs) What? They tricked him. It was Leah. And so he's her, which is Rachel's sister. And they, um... They got married. They stayed married. But then he's like, wait a second. I, I actually... Actually, did want Rachel, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> so he has to work for another seven years, and then he's married to Rachel, and then he's married to two sisters. So, like, I'm sure tensions were high. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of jealousy there over who would conceive first, and then handmaids were brought in. Like, yeah, it got it got pretty dicey. Yeah, just weird stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think our next one is. And then twelve children came out of it. Twelve well, children. Well, twelve boys and one girl. I didn't get that far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, go to the Bible Project and watch the video on it. It explains it very well. There you go. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit to Solomon. Uh, Solomon is the the son of King David, so he succeeds him as the king of Israel. And he starts out well. He does some good things, and he's known for seeking wisdom from God. Um, But my dude has a problem with lust. Okay? He has... He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, or as Madison accurately deemed them on the notes, side chicks. So <laughs> that's a lot. That's just a, that's a hard dynamic to keep stable in general. Mm-hmm. But they also turn him away from God. 
uh, a lot of these wives because they worship other gods. They bring that with them, and yeah, yeah, it just becomes a whole big mess. Ends up kind of being the end of Solomon as far as his his reign as king. So that's not even like enough to celebrate one of their birthdays with them a day. <laughs> that's like an average of like three birthdays a day, maybe more. Yeah. How? How? It's March 3rd. My stars. I got 10 birthday parties I yeah. got to go to today. I don't get, I like literally don't get what he was up to with that. I Two get birthdays that, like, a day. I mean, most of them were just political alliances, which, like to keep peace, which was explicit, explicitly forbidden which makes, for them to do. That makes sense. But still, like you would expect if it's a political alliance, she gets like a birthday card or something, like oh, some yeah. kind of like effort from him. I don't understand how he, anyways, he must have just been busy. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Weird. So now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. Like, I don't know. Like, whenever I was thinking about this, it just kind of, like, he just kind of got presented like Eve, kind of like, you know, like, to, like, if you get, like, a giant panda in the zoo and, like, you go and, like, you get it a girlfriend or a mate, like, you just kind of drop it in there and hope for the best. Like, that, it, it, it kind of had all of that imagery here. Like, let's just put two of them in a cage and see what happens. Um, but but I do, like, when Adam was, was, get, was presented Eve, like, I love the different versions of this. So, like, the NIV, the man said, like, this is whenever he sees her, like, this is a Genesis... Uh, 223, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Mm. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Very dry, kind of like not a whole, not a very excited response. The NLT, at last, the man (laughs) exclaimed, like, this one is bone from my bone and flesh of my flesh, like exclamation points everywhere. So like Adam was happy, like he finally had a friend. But I think one of the things that, that really jumped out, he didn't really have her back. When, when the chips were down, like whenever, whenever God came through and like they were hiding and they made little fig leaf things for themselves and they were hiding and, and God said, well, like, what happened? What did you do? And he's like, it's this woman that you gave me, like mm. just right under the bus went Eve. Well, mm. first he blamed God for giving, for giving her to him. And then he threw her under the bus. So, I mean, that was something that kind of jumped out when the chips were down kind of just chucked her right under there. Mm. Not great. Not great. Not a good look. <laughs> no. Like have your partners back. <laughs> our um, our next relationship, I've talked about King Ahab before, um but I was talking about King Ahab um with his connection to what is it? <sighs> Dang. A different king. Anyways. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm forgetting on the other king's name. But this time we're talking about King Ahab and his wife, Jezebel, who um, she is the daughter of the king of Tyre. And you can read about um, you can read about that in Kings, First uh, Kings 16. Um, well, it kind of continues through chapter 22. Mm-hmm. So um, basically Jezebel is like has a huge influence on on Ahab and kind of pulls him into things that he knows better to not do. So her influence on him has a lot to do with his faith. So she kind of pulls him away from worshiping God and actually like worshiping Baal, um, which that's how I say Baal. Does that matter? You say Baal? Okay. Um, like B-A apostrophe A-L. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, she's pulling him <laughs> into focus and worship other gods and then eventually like 
it's established in Israel. So, like, she tempts him and pulls him away, and then, like, following him is the entire nation that he's leading. So um, not a great, solid dynamic to have in your marriage where you are, you have um, unmatched priorities. Well, really, if you just lead lead your partner away from what they know to be true or what they should be doing. Like, I mean, to be a Jezebel, that, I don't know if it, it was a slur, (laughs) like back home in the Midwest. Like if you were, if you were were to refer to a woman as a Jezebel, it was like, she's leading you by the nose into doing wrong things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if your name becomes that, it's probably great. (laughs) How about not a little good. toxic? I'm sensing a theme. Not yeah. good. Not good. Not... <laughs> <laughs> and to continue with it, next we have David and Bathsheba. Um, I'm going to give like the Cliff Notes version. Quick aside, apparently Cliff Notes are not a thing anymore. I was talking what to some they? teenagers the other day, and I was Spark like, do you all know what Cliff Notes are? They Like, neither one. They had no idea what I was talking about. So I don't know. How do they just get a quick summary of something? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I need to go ask a follow-up question. Yeah. yeah. Get back to me. I'm curious. Yeah, I will. I'll follow up. Where Thank that you. Goes as well. I'm going to give the Cliff Notes short summary version. If you'd like to hear more about this, we have a two-part episode about it, so go uh, check it out. Yep. All right. So David, uh, he's the king. He stays home from war when all of his other, when his army goes out to war. Red flag one. Yes. Yeah. Problem. <laughs> problematic. Uh, he sees a woman bathing on the roof, so you have to like paint the picture here. The palace is kind of up on the hill, so he can see everything that's going on in the town below. They didn't have, like, roofs back then, or they they had, like, they used the roof as extra space, they right? They stayed on their roof. Extra square footage, <laughs> yes. So he can see a woman bathing on the roof. He's like, oh, she's pretty. Bring her to the palace. Red flag Things too. happen. Why are you looking, yeah, David? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing, bro? You have multiple wives at this point already. All right, anyways, not as many as Solomon, but she ends up pregnant. At least three by that point. Yeah. Yeah. She ends up pregnant, and to make it worse, she's married to one of David's soldiers, Uriah. Red flag number three. three. We'll get that too. That's red flag four. (laughs) So David has Uriah brought home, and he tries to cover up what he's done by having him go home to his wife. But Uriah is the only stand-up guy in this story, so he doesn't do it. Uh, So David's like, well, I'll just have to have him killed instead. We're up to six. So not good. Not good. Not a wise decision, and he kind of follows it up in trying to cover it up by making a bunch of other bad choices. And it all kind of spirals. Yeah, he's like panic, panic, like, ah, whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> he's not being wise like at it's all. Like, not, it's not always the crime, it's the cover-up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, our last one on the list is Samson and Delilah. And I also added into the notes, Samson, dot, 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 dog, that's idiot behavior. <laughs> like, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> learn it the first time or the second time. He didn't and then get it. No, so so we Very talked... Very much to your thing at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up again, Michael. <laughs> Believe kidding. it the first time. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I was in my, I was in my um, idiot era as well. <laughs> it happens. We go through it. Okay, so Samson and Delilah, we just talked about them, so I'm not going to go into them for a very long time, but basically Samson fell in love with Delilah. Delilah got bribed by the Philistines she wanted um they asked her to figure out how Samson had such superhuman strength he didn't tell her at first he would like tell her a lie and then she tricked him and then she was like 
how could he lie to me? Please tell me. And then she tricked him. And then it happened the third time, and he finally told her that it was because of his hair. And so she had him, like, she basically had the Philistines, like, come in. And did she cut off his hair? She cut off his hair while he was asleep, and then she called them in. She cut off his hair, and then, yeah, they came in and got him, and he was, he had, like, he had his eyes gouged out and, like, had to do, like, heavy slave labor until he died. And luckily his story ends on like a little bit of an up note, like where he gave his heart back to God and he followed God's, um, I guess, last push in his life. But um, it took losing everything because of Delilah's mistreatment. So so I, whenever I read that, like I used to just think, gosh, how stupid were you like yeah. to, towards Samson? Like the dog, like what did you say here? Like I've do- yeah, like but dog, I've... that's idiot behavior. But like, I don't know. Like I'm kind of <clears throat> listening to it here again. Like I'm starting to feel... A little bit of sympathy and sadness towards Samson. That's like how... I think he found someone that he actually legit loved, and he just he it blinded him yeah. to a whole lot of toxic red flags. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like when I you know made a joke about it earlier, or like when I say that's idiot behavior. Like objectively, yeah, not the smartest choice. But I've been in that situation before yes. where I loved someone so deeply. I was I I wanted. I was like I can't. This might go badly, but I can't let myself wonder for the rest of my life if we could have figured things out and been yeah. happy together. And obviously, outside of that situation now, I'm glad everything worked out the way that it worked out. Like, yeah. God's in control for a reason, not me. But I feel bad for him. No, like, it's it's easy from the outside to be like, dude, you are missing all the things, and this is going to end terribly for you. But even if you had told him, he, I don't think Samson would have believed it's true. Yeah. No, yeah. she's really a good woman. Dude, she done tricked you twice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have some self-respect. Yeah. <laughs> but it's easy, I see him, not, like, just listening to it, I see him as a much more tragic, tragic figure now. Yeah. All right, so where do we go from here? Well... There are toxic relationships in the Bible, mm-hmm. but there are also toxic relationships in our day and time as well that oh, yeah. we have to navigate. So what would you all say, what kind of defines a toxic relationship? What makes a relationship toxic? Mm, I think the, I, I feel like the number one red flag is when somebody is more focused on their own needs and wants than the other person mm-hmm. in the relationship. And I think it can show up a whole lot of different ways. But when you are, like, the ideal is you are both prioritizing each other. And you have Mm -hmm. different levels that you can give day to day. Like, everybody kind of hits their end of their day and is exhausted, whatever. But as long as you're trying your best and giving what you can to to give the other person what they need, I feel like that's the success. And when it starts to slip, it's because you're more focused on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to definitely echo that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you just stop. If, if no matter what you're feeling or experiencing or, go, or have going on, like if you don't take that second or take some time to be like, yeah, I'm feeling this way, but how are you? Mm. Like that selfless service aspect of it. Like mm. I think that's definitely a red flag if you don't get that at all. Yeah. But I also think I'm really focused on this Samson thing now. So I also <laughs> think like if you if you if you find yourself ignoring a whole lot of things mm. that are just not right. Like, I think that's definitely a sign. If you start minimizing and explaining away and covering up for someone else's bad behavior, I think that's definitely a red flag. The covering up is a big thing. If you feel like you can't tell your friends and family the truth of what 
you're going through. What you're going through, what their communication with you is like, how they speak to you, like how they treat you, anything like that. If you feel like you can't share it with people who are close with you, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. I, the word that comes to mind for me is just unbalanced. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't want to go on a complete tangent here, but I think the the notion out there is like, oh, relationships have to be perfectly balanced, like 50-50. And I'm not sure that no. that is true 100% of the time. I think there's times where it's yeah. 60-40. I think there's times where it's even 30-70, depending mm-hmm. upon what the other person is going through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think over the arc of time, yes. it should be pretty close to balanced. When over the arc of time, it's not that's yeah. when it, there's there is potential for it to become toxic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but there's also things that we can look at. So like, what are some identifiers, and what can you do to present to prevent your relationship from becoming toxic mm-hmm. as well? And I think that's where we're going with the clip. Yes. Right? Yeah. All right. So check this out. Great marriage equals an all-in commitment to it. Not just marriage. You can have that with a legal document. I mean great marriage. In order to get this, you gotta have that. You can't have great marriage without an all-in commitment to great marriage. So I'm gonna walk you through a few aspects of what that commitment practically looks like, but before I do, I wanna make a note for all the non-married people here. Today, roughly half of the adults in the United States are married, 133 million people, give or take a couple, which means that the other half is not. But here's the thing. Most of them will be. The data is strong about this. Most of them will be. People are getting married later, that's for sure. They're waiting longer, but they are still tying the knot, which means that this message is for you too. My friend Tanner, one of the pastors here on our staff, he told me once that when he was single and he was growing up here, he he was a teenager here and kind of grew up here. And he said, when I would teach on marriage, he said, instead of checking out, And assuming that it wasn't for him because he was single, he said, I just kept leaning in. I knew that one day I would need those tools. He would need the tools I was offering at some point in his life. He knew it. So if you're single, follow Tanner's example. Because what I'm about to give you will become really important to you in the future if it's not important to you today. Haven't you read that in the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What does it mean to lean into unity, to pursue oneness, to be fully committed to a great marriage? Today, I want to give you five factors, each encompassed in a single word. And if you will employ these concepts And if you'll lean into the all-in commitment of them, you will find great marriage. All right, so that clip from Brian um, is basically his way in his message to get us to these five big points that can be key factors in our marriages, um, our future marriages, our current marriages, and all kinds of relationships, close relationships. So he, he, um, he continues to talk about five things, and we all have little cards here that were handed out the same week that he, he spoke this message. He talks about it being important to serve, to celebrate, to listen, to laugh, and to learn. So let's start off with serve. Who wants to kind of talk about serving in relationships and what that means? Me. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel like we, we kind of alluded to this earlier. Yeah. Uh, in a perfect world, 
your relationship would work like I am constantly serving, going above and beyond to serve the other person. And they're constantly going above and beyond to serve me. And so everyone's getting their needs met. Do you, you mind? <laughs> do you mind if I ask like how that shows up in your marriage, just out of curiosity? No, I don't mind. If you watch the message, which you should, the it's link will be message. in there. Yeah. Um, Brian used the example of like uh, going out to warm up Susan's call, Susan's car. I talked about twenty-one days of prayer earlier yeah. because we were leaving at similar times. I I was able to do that. Um, another one is it's my how we typically do like cooking and dishes and stuff is Abby's the cook, I am not. I'm the cleanup guy, but. Her way of serving me, one of her ways of serving me is if she knows I've had a really long day, she'll do both. But then I know, okay, I need to make sure I, you know, take that extra step tomorrow when I have time kind of deal. So, you know, it, there are all kinds of little situations where it shows up, but I think that's an example of how it can work. Yeah. It's both people setting their ego aside to do what's in the best interest of the other. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, um, I enjoy, I think I'm, we're going to talk in a little bit after we finish talking about all five of these about which one we kind of both, we, we kind of all want to work on, but (laughs) I think serving is the one that I am. It's like my natural instinct. Like I want to jump in and do something for somebody. And I, sometimes that can actually be a little bit of hiccup Mm. and I, I do too much <laughs> and I am, I don't just listen. So, um, uh, next up is celebrate. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about celebrate? I think it, it, it's mostly just about being like cheering the other person on. I think yeah. what was the example that Brian used? Like that, like I need you to be my biggest fan. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. was, yeah. Like I, everybody else is coming at me. I hear crap everywhere else. Like, yeah. But like, and if you, if you actually come to me and say like, Hey, this is an issue. Like I will listen, but yeah. what would help me the most is if you are my number one cheerleader, like you're the pushing, you're the person pushing me forward saying, go charge the hill, go do the thing. Yeah. I've really had to, I've had to develop. I think I've gotten a lot better in celebrating um, my significant other, but I had to really develop it because he's a musician and a creative person. And so he would always send me things that he had created and he wanted like, he wanted like actual feedback along with the celebrate, but I would just be like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And he was like, yeah, but what did you like about it? Or like, what do you think I could do better? Mm. And I was like, oh, I have to think about it first. (laughs) So it's kind of thinking through how you can celebrate the other person, even if it's, you know, a super close friend is Mm. is a cool thing. We're going to get to uh, which one of these would we like to work on. Um, So not to, not to jump the gun, but (laughs) this, this was like a close runner up for me Mm. Um, because I tend to be so task oriented and like, let's just get the job done and move on to the next thing mm. that my natural inclination is not always to celebrate. So I've, I've had to really work on, okay, let's not just jump to the next thing. Like, okay, we accomplished this. We, you know, conquered this hill together or whatever. Let's celebrate it before we move on to whatever the next thing is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. That's good. Um, all right. Next up we have listen. So Brian also shared um, a personal example that he uses in his marriage when they are actively listening to each other and they feel like there's something a little bit wonky there. Um, They will say not an accusatory way, but in a pleasant way. And he said they they always have a smile on their face. So they put effort into that to be like, hey, I don't feel like you're really hearing me. Mm -hmm. And then that's that's a really good recognizable phrase for the other person to be able to respond with you're right. Help me see what you're, what you're saying. 
Um, I'm also I'm also learning right now in another course that I'm doing. It's like the second part of the emotionally healthy spirituality mm-hmm. course. It's emotionally healthy relationships. Um, it's like a temperature gauge for how to have difficult conversations and and listen along the way. Uh, so that might be an interesting thing mm. to talk about eventually. But it has a lot of um, I'm puzzled by or um, help me see why this is like it's not accusing when you have something that you're trying to figure out why 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 the other person is doing it this way, and then some gauges for we actually need to to have a pause here and know that like it's not your time to have a rebuttal. It's your time to be heard yeah. kind of a thing. Um, and then our next up is laugh, which I feel like that one is pretty self-explanatory. Like um, you still have to have fun. Yeah, yes. You got to. And you it takes planning ahead. Um, that's, this is really difficult for me to do right now just because my fiance and I are long distance. Um, but it looks a lot like um, like he will on FaceTime when you have an iPhone, you can um, share your screen on Mm. FaceTime. So I can't have access to TikTok (laughs) because I have no (laughs) (laughs) self-control and I will just doom scroll for forever. Like I can't have that on my phone, but he will watch TikTok and share his screen with me and we'll like watch funny TikToks together Mm. and like get to do the same thing at the same time through a phone. And then I don't have to have the temptation of the app on my phone later to come back to. Um, So figuring out the unique way that you can spend like intentional time enjoying life together is really valuable. I thought the point that he made was like, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, you're just planning to go have fun together. Like that's pretty much all dating and and everything is, especially in the beginning. It's it's once you're now doing life and you have kids or a house or responsibilities you're both working like it can be it can be very easy to fall into just a rut of a routine so you still need to make sure that you are making time to have fun and I think this probably I'm I'd be interested in your opinion I feel like that one really applies to being a parent as well of like it could be so easy to just go about your daily life and not stop and think Am I intentionally creating good memories with my yes. children? No, that is something that, especially as they get older, like I now have teens now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's maximizing as many memories as you have in the time left. That's awesome. Like, so you definitely have to be very intentional with that. That's cool. Uh, all right. Well, our last one up is, is learn, which uh, I feel like is also pretty self-explanatory. Do you want to go sure. over it? You know, I think a lot of relationships, it's, it's learned as you go, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's easy to kind of assume that that's all there is to it. But there's always ways you can learn. There's always resources out there where you can study this and really and mm-hmm. really like kind of grow and expand your knowledge um, based on people who have been there and who have written and you know created videos and all kinds of things about it. Have so. there been any resources that have been helpful? Like anybody seen anything lately that's good? Well, I read a book like it's called uh, "Why Don't We Listen Better," hmm. mm-hmm. and that, that sounds good. That was uh, it was part of a pastoral counseling class that I was taking, but I found a lot of those things like one of the things. I mean, I I still can listen better. Like that's the one that I was going to say for mine, so not to jump the gun too much, but I can very easily go into 
if I hear, especially if it's somebody that I care about and I'm listening to a problem, I go right to problem solving mode, mm -hmm. like right out of the gate. Okay. Now this is what we need to do. This is how we need to fix it. But whenever I take a step back, like, okay, how can I best support you in this? Hmm. Like that gives you the opportunity, opportunity to do both listen and learn. Cause like, I've really think that steps three and five yes. <laughs> go together yeah. very, very well. Yes. Yeah, that's um, true. But that was a fantastic resource for me. Yeah. yeah. I can list off a couple of books, but I'll use this opportunity to say, y'all, go to premarital counseling. Mm. Seriously, go to premarital counseling. It, that will, like, it's like such a great foundation and first step for really learning who your future spouse is. And not only that, but how, like, where are the friction points going to be? Where are y'all yeah. different? Where do y'all click? Where do you not click? Where are the friction points? Like, it is... It's so good. Go do it. And if, I mean, I can imagine there's probably some people out there who got married and maybe didn't go through premarital sure. counseling. Yeah. Even if, like, there's nothing broken, that's not a bad thing to yeah. go to, like, have set up some appointments. Well, we have a lot a of people here who would be happy to talk to anybody. And it's a better way to learn more about the person yes. that you're actually yeah. Yes. You'll learn something you didn't know on yeah. 100%. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. So the one that we need to work on. Here's the I think ouchie time. I think we all gave hints as to where we're going. <laughs> That's kind of true. So, I don't. But yeah. yeah, listen, like when I'm not listening well, it's usually because I've already jumped five steps ahead. And if it's something that they don't even want sometimes. So like if they're just telling me a problem and they just want to vent. Mm hmm. But I'm already in. OK, how am I going to fix this? So sometimes I'll just even stop. Like, if I get myself going, do you even want to hear, is this, like, did I go too far? Do you, mm. are you just wanting to hit the release valve? Do you actually want feedback? Mm. Like, do you just want somebody on the other end of the phone? Like, give them the opportunity to define that specific moment of space and time. Like, what exactly do they want? Yeah. And then you respond accordingly. Yep. Yeah. Being curious in situations like that is always so helpful. Uh, what about you? Mine's listen as well. Um, and a lot of what you said, I, I think like, I don't, uh, fail to listen well out of like, oh, I just don't want to listen. A yeah. lot of the time for me, it's like, I don't like to see the people I care about hurting. And so that kicks into overdrive my, like, I'm going to brainstorm solutions. Like, how can I help them fix the problem? Kind yes. of thing. More specifically in my marriage, kind of like what you were saying, I, I ask Abby frequently, do you want solutions or do you just need to vent mm. and if the answer is you just need to vent i don't do it perfectly 100 percent of the time but to the best of my ability i'm going to sit back and say nothing until she directly invites my opinion but sometimes you get that mm, and you're just oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i do have to bite my tongue I, yes. like sometimes yeah and another thing that brian said about that point in the message that i thought was really good is just a few key words. He, he says all the time that listening is not a passive thing. It's an yeah. active thing, right? So just a few key words to signal to the other person, I'm listening, I'm with you, I'm yes. following is super key. And that's something I'm really working on specifically in this season. So mm, That's good. Yeah. I'm really, I feel like I'm kind of struggling because there's aspects of all of this that I really would want to get better at. Um, mm. I'm, I think I'm going to go with celebrate just because that's a current thing that I really do. I struggle with um, I struggle with communicating well to my fiance because of our unique, um, our unique long distance relationship right now of, I'm a lot, there's some things that come a lot more naturally to me, um, when I'm next to the other person. 
in mm. person than over the phone. But that doesn't mean it's not worth it to, like, buckle down and put in the effort until we are living in the same country. Um, so I would be... I'd be curious. We did an exercise on Sunday after the message where mm-hmm. we sent everybody with this and we had them put a check next to the one that they were, um, they felt like they were doing good at and then, you know, mark the one they wanted to improve on. So we talked about the ones we want to improve on. Do either <laughs> of you have one that you think you're really good at? I think I'm generally pretty good at celebrating. Okay, like, cool. Like, I would say I'm very good, like, if, if somebody does it, like, if, somebody does something well like i think i'm very much like looking for any reason to do something fun yeah (laughs) and so like let's let's celebrate that let's have a blast like let's go do something let's yeah make something like i think i think that one i do well yeah i think mine is serving what about you i'll go with laugh um i to my detriment sometimes i can make a joke out of pretty much anything and if you put my wife and i together yeah yeah, they there's, have a good time. There's very few situations we're not gonna laugh at. Yeah, we'll find some way to laugh at. So, well, I'm glad we got to kind of end on a little bit of a positive there. Like this is what yes. we're good at. <laughs> um, but real quick, just small disclaimer before mm-hmm. we completely end. Um, we have we have resources available on our website. We have people on staff who are here to talk to you. If you if you are not married yet, you might want to just evaluate some of these red flags and say, is this somebody that is going to treat me in these ways with the same level of effort that they're capable of giving um, no matter what situation is going on? Are they always going to show up even if life is is really big? Um, And if you are if you have already committed to somebody and um, you are in a dangerous situation, it's not the time for resources. It's the time to reach out and get some actual help. Yes. And um, we are also here to support you through yes. that. Yeah, we have a contact form on our website, yes. and you can fill that out and uh, submit it. And yeah. somebody from our church, somebody from our staff will reach out to you. Um, because if you are in a relationship where you have questions or you just need help, like you don't have to go through that alone, and no. we are here to assist. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So this was a good episode. Yeah, yeah, I thought fun. this was a good one. Yeah. All right. So like, share, subscribe. Find us in our Facebook group. Leave us a review. We'll read it and we'll send you a mug. And we'll see you guys next week for another episode of The After Chat. Bye. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.